Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. God is speaking with us so much through the book of Galatians. Amen. Today, we're going to go deeper in Galatians chapter 3. And the title of this message is Grace Enables Miracles. Please just tell this to the closest neighbor. Say, Grace enables miracles. Ask him, ask her, are you ready? Are you ready for the miracles? I am ready for the miracle. Close your eyes together. Let's pray. Father, we declare we are ready for the miraculous in this place. Not only that, God, but as you had given us this prophetic insight for 2021, we want the signs, we want the wonders. Yes, God, we want to be agents of miracles. God, so move in this place as we look to your word, change our hearts, increase our faith. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody in this church said, Amen. 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 Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. The first argument that Paul sustains for the message of justification by grace through faith is the argument of our experience. Specifically, our experience with the Holy Spirit. We know that the message of justification by grace through faith is truth because we had experience. I can recall back in my story that the Holy Spirit had spoke into my life. There was that moment when I had a vision, a prophetic insight. Someone prayed to me and that person knew everything about my life when I never even spoke to that person before. Something supernatural happened and I knew was God is speaking to my life by His Spirit. But I want to be more accurate with Paul's uh, intention here. He's trying to remind the Galatians I believe specifically in the day that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit by the unquestionable attested experience of praying in tongues. Now, if you ever pray in through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know that is an unforgettable moment. It was so powerful, unexplainable, but so amazing feeling. And, and, and you know that you had received that feeling of the Spirit, not because you deserve, not because your marriage were totally perfect, not because your accounts were totally in good standing. No, you received because you believed 
in the grace of God. And now you were able to say, God is not about me. It's because the finished work of the cross. And that's why the very heaven, the holiness of heaven can come and fill me up. Come on, somebody. Now, some of you guys are even wondering, is, it a, is, is this even possible? Yes, it is. And I want to invite you to join us in the 21 days because that's when maybe you're going to be filled for the first time having these supernatural prophetic uh, experiences. Maybe for the first time you're going to have that open vision that, that God will actually bring it to you, that prophetic insight. Maybe, I don't know. You're going to even listen to the audible voice of the Lord. I don't want to hinder it. I don't want to create any impediment for the Lord's voice and work. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in a powerful way among us. Come on, somebody. I believe that. And Paul says that the Galatians had experienced that. I know I speak for some people that never had experience, but I know that some of you guys had experience once. And Paul says, remember that day. Remember that moment. And you're going to probably realize that you are not totally perfect. You are not totally holy. You are seeking God's favor under uh, his grace, just solely rely on His grace. And now, he goes a little deeper on the argument of the experience. Verse 5, he says that, remember your experience, but not that the experience with the Holy Spirit, but the experience with miracles. Verse 5, he says, thus, He who supplies the Spirit to you, and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. The argument of our experience, the experience with our miracles. Paul appeals to the experience of miracles to lead the Galatians to recall that miracles happened and were happening among them just because they believed. Miracles is crucial for our walk with God. It's a foundation which every believer ultimately bottled their faith. Paul uses the English philosopher John Locke, one of the most influential philosophers in the Enlightenment, that said to know that any revelation is from God, it is necessary to know that the messenger that delivers it is sent from God. And that cannot be known but by some miraculous credential. Now we know the story when one Pharisee named Nicodemus came to talk with Jesus. He was afraid of his peers, other religious leaders. So he decided to meet Jesus in the night because he didn't want to show up that reverence, that uh, credibility he gave to Jesus. So he scheduled a night meeting when nobody was able to see them. And in the middle of that conversation, he expressed why he came to talk with Jesus. Why he was drawn to talk with Jesus. John chapter 3 verse 2. He honestly says, Rabbi, we know that you were a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do, these miracles that you do, unless God is with him. The credentials 
of Jesus were his miracles. It's interesting because Jesus didn't focus on that. Immediately, he, he directs the conversation for what he matters. We're going to read the classic most known verse in the Bible that points exactly where miracles should always lead our faith. In his amazing grace. For God so loved the world, verse 16, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, everybody says believes. So Jesus says what matters is if you have faith, believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Then Jesus expounded a little bit more saying, let me explain to you what I came to do here. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, in Paul's case, he doesn't claim that he was the reason for the miracles among the Galatians. No, he understood that because they heard the message, and the message were, was followed by faith, they were experiencing miracles. And by the way, this is a very good test to see if you are walking by the law of merits, the law of self-righteousness, or if you are walking by faith. I want to ask you, are there miracles in your story life? Like, have you ever experienced miracles in your own life. And some legalists might question if even miracles are possible. Actually, Pastor, what do you mean about miracles? What, what are you talking about here? So I want to try to answer these two questions. Because if I am telling you that miracles are essential or even like crucial for your belief, for your faith, you have to understand what the Bible mean, means for miracles. April the 4th, we're going to celebrate the Easter, which is a historical day that we recall Jesus' victory over death. Different than all religions in the world that have their own awesome um, uh, codes of behavior, their conduct uh, regulations, and interest high level of uh, lifestyle uh, standards. Christianity is founded because we believe in this miracle that Jesus defeated death and whoever believes in him will pass through the same experience of defeating death and coming back to life. Because of this miracle, we are here today. And not only that, but because we believe that God is good and loving. And He wants to interact with us in the personal level. He wants to answer our prayers, our needs through miracles. God will intervene in the natural order of things. Although it's not very often. And I say this because miracles to be a miracle has to be an extraordinary event. It cannot be everyday experience. 
Because this will create a sense of stability. So natural laws are important. But just as a loving parent sometimes rightly break his own rule for special reasons, so too our Heavenly Father will break his natural laws in order to intervene in our story through miracles. So again, I'm not talking about what over, was sometimes overused as a miracle. You go to Fort Myers Beach, you look at that beautiful orange, pinkish, uh, bluish color of the sunset, and you sigh out loud, that's a miracle. No, that's not a miracle. It's not what the Bible defines as a miracle. It's beautiful. You can say it, but it's not what the Bible says. We look at this cute, chubby baby. Such a miracle. No, it's not what the Bible says about Miracles. Miracles are by essence singular unusual events which are caused by God beyond the realm of the natural law. So right now I want to go with you to explain what will be the comparison of natural law and the miracles God wants to release upon us. And to do that, I'm going to read with you the entire Gospel of Mark. Which, by the way, I suggest you to do that. Because I'm teaching to you, but it's better, than you, than, uh, it's better for you to, for, to check by yourself that Jesus is the miracle worker. He wants to perform miracles in your life. You say, how are you going to read the entire Gospel of of Mark here, Pastor. He's the fastest, shortest gospel, and he proves that he wants to operate miracles. What will be the natural? What will be the natural is that you, a leper, you, a paralytic, a man with a withered hand, an invalid, good for nothing, destined to live in misery. That will be natural. But you didn't live in, in misery. Because Jesus said, I want you, leper, to be clean. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed, rise, and walk. You're destined to live in misery. But he said, come here, son. Stretch out your hand and be healed. What will be natural for us? Is that in the midst of the storm, when waters were invading your boat, there was no way out. You will surely drown, but you didn't, because Jesus said, peace, be still, and you overcame the storm. What will be the natural? You were raised in a dysfunctional, oppressive home, hatred. Violence, addiction, vices of all kinds. You were a living dead, shackled by fear, depression, and pain. No therapy ever worked. You hurt others. You hurt yourself. No one dares to approach you. You are destined to live alone in isolation. But you didn't. Because Jesus came. And the demons had Jesus, son of the most high God. And he said to the demons, get out, you 
unclean spirit. What will be the natural for you? A life that is drained out of your body. A chronic disease, doctors, medicine, therapeutics, none worked. You will die young. But you didn't. Because Jesus, the miracle worker, said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. He said, Don't fear. Only believe. Little girl, I say to you, arise. And you defeated death. So I'm doing what Paul is asking us to do. Remember your miracles. On the day of hunger, on the day of lack, he fed you with bread and fish. On the day of the storm, he called you to walk with him upon the waters. You didn't deserve You knew that there was no godly influence in your past. You did not come from a prestigious family. But you dare to ask regardless. You believe. You believe that it has nothing to do with your family. And Jesus said to you in Mark chapter 7. Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Go your way. The demons that are oppressing, that are putting down your family. Hey, they left your family. You never understood the things of God. You never spoke about it with anyone. There was an impediment. I like this word in Mark chapter 7. There was an impediment in your spiritual life. But in an unusual way, he touched you. And he said, Ephaphatha, that is, be open. And now you could, hold, you could not hold yourself. You proclaim him everywhere you go. You have provision in abundance. You couldn't see, but he restored you. And now you see everything clearly. Your children were under the influence of evil spirits. They were moved by anger and rebellion. No one could help you. But the Bible says that Jesus had compassion over you. In the weakness of our faith, when we cried out, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And you know what happened? He ordered the evil spirit that were oppressing your kids. That were making them out of the way. And he commanded them out to never come in into your house again. Today is no different than the moment that you experience the miraculous. And my prayer is that like the blind beggar Bartimaeus. Our eyes should be open to see His grace. In Mark chapter 10, I'm already in chapter 10 of Mark. Did you notice that? The blind beggar, it's asked, What do you want me to do for you? Mark chapter 10, 51. And the blind man said to Jesus, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. With your eyes closed, can you just say that to Jesus? Say, Jesus my sight verse 52 open your eyes and Jesus said go in your way 
your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let our eyes be open to see his grace. Because when we see his grace, grace, everybody says grace, grace. Enables, enables miracles. We have to see. And when we see it, when we see grace, our faith is stirred, and now we can't expect miracles in our lives. Now, I need to answer the other inquiry about is miracles something present in our days? I straightforward will say, yes, miracles do happen today. Say a good amen in the house. We are a church that believes in miracles today. And I say that because there is this doctrine called cessationism that believes that any gift, any miracles cease, it is no longer in operation. Which is weird because when you read again Galatians chapter 3, let's everybody go there, verse 5, you're going to notice two verbs here. Does he who supplies, say supplies, put in the letter S in the end, say supplies, they spirit to you and work, say works, works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Supplies and works both are in the present active verb time. It is still on, tell your neighbor, it is still on brother, it is still on. But why some people are reluctant about miracles? I believe that some are just because they are zealous for the scripture. They don't want to make a mistake. But honestly, there are so much legalism out there. And that's why they are not expecting miracles in their lives. And they close the door of the kingdom. For so many people. One of cessationist scholar dare to say, Do you think God will give his power and miracles to really bad people? If those gifts existed, they would belong to the purest, most faithful, sound Christians, not to hairy brained and stupid people. Unquote. He missed the point. Because miracles, it's exact for those who does not deserve. And, and the problem of this kind of people is that they think that God blesses only those that deserve. But that is exactly why the purists, the sanctimonious ones, never receive anything from God. Because they rely on their works. They rely on on their knowledge. It is all about their academics, their understanding of the scripture with their theological dogmas. But I love Paul that writes for us, Romans chapter 4, verse 5, that says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, say ungodly, other versions use the word impious or wicked. God justifies the ungodly. I believe in this kind of God. His faith is counted as righteous, righteousness. 
So it is very easy to see whether someone is trying to live by the law of merit and self-righteousness or by grace. If your thoughts emphasize what you need to do in order to be blessed and receive miracles, or if your soul thinks that it's all about the finished work of the cross, where your eyes are fixed at. No one can receive anything from God based on his own righteousness, his own merit. That's why many do not experience miracles because they are trying to deserve God's blessing. God's blessings only to those who recognize they deserve nothing and depend completely on God's grace. That's the secret of receiving a miracle from God. Multitudes receive miracles. Sinners of all kinds. Do you think that among those that were eating the bread and the fish multiplied by Jesus, do you think when everybody was very hungry and very tired at the end of the day, do you think everybody was just like, oh, it's all good? <laughs> now, if you ever got to the point that you have no food for a couple of hours, how is your mood, my friend? Now, get around 5,000 men with their children crying around. Do you think everybody was holy to deserve the multiplication of bread and fish? No. Do you think that Jesus... Actually, try it out. Just, just read. Let me give you a, a homework, okay? Read this week one of the Gospels. Pick one of the four. Okay? Get, get the smallest one. Go to Mark like I'm suggesting you to do. You're going to find out that Jesus never asked anyone before giving a miracle to the person about his state of his spiritual life. Like, okay, Jairus... Before I go to your home and heal your little daughter, just tell me a little bit, how is your tights? Let me check here. How, Jesus never did that. The Pharisees try all, by all means, to deserve God's blessing. But there is no record that any of them receive even one miracle from God. God's grace depends solely on our faith. Faith in grace. So don't ever think that those who receive a great blessing are holier than thou. It was and always a matter of faith. Now I want to encourage you about that because again, some of you consider that if it is a matter of faith, Pastor, I'm also undeserving to receive. That's why I want to close with two stories in the Bible. One, both of them are in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, we have this Roman centurion. He's not part of the Jewish tradition. He's probably oblivious about God or the Jewish rituals and dogmas. He is desperate, seeking a miracle for his servant. So he comes to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, I need a miracle. My servant is lying on bed, dying with a fever. Jesus said, I'm going to your home. The Roman centurion says, no, 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 please, Lord. I'm not worthy of having you in my house. I know I don't have the credentials to receive you in my house. Just send a word. Just send a word and my servant will be healed. We know the story. Verse 10 of Matthew chapter 8. 
And Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel I have found such faith. Verse 13, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. One aspect of this story is that this Roman centurion, he understood what authority really means. But I think there is a deeper understanding of this story. I'm going to relate it with another story now in Matthew chapter 15. We have this Syrophoenician, another person completely disconnected to Jewish religious background. She is a Canaanite. She knows nothing about the covenants, the rituals, the sacrifices, what to do or not to do. But she has a daughter that is dying under the oppression and the the, uh, uh, influence of an evil spirit. And she comes begging to Jesus, verse 25, Lord, help me. And Jesus answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs to fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. What is common on these both individuals? Both were Gentiles. Both were disconnected from the merit-based relationship with God. They knew already they were undeserving. They could not come relying on any religious background or dues or, or, or deeds. They had no right to receive from God. So they came to Jesus only trusting His grace. In other words, no one can ever have faith by the law of merits. The law condemns, in some cases, produces arrogance. The principle of the law is self-righteousness and that nullifies the grace of God I want miracles I believe God has miracles in store for you I believe God wants to write a new story in your life that is marked with encounters supernatural encounters, unquestionable encounters, unforgettable moments with the Holy Spirit, and also unforgettable moments with the miraculous. Not only that, with signs and wonders. How can we dare to believe like that? Romans chapter 4. For if it is the adherence of the law, who are to be the heirs, faith is no, and the promise is void. But you know the story doesn't end there. Verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wages are counted as a gift, but as, I'm sorry, 
Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Now look at, look at your life. I looked back and like the Galatians, I realized that when I needed the Lord the most, when I need that special touch of the Holy Spirit to comfort me, my life was not perfect to deserve his comfort, his touch, his restoration. I can recall moments when miracles happen in my life and I realize it had nothing to do with my doings or don'ts. What's to do only with his grace? Verse 5. To the one who does not work. Raise your hand. To the one who does not work. I'm asking you to raise your hand because you did not work, my friend. It's you. You did not, I did not work. Put it down. You did not work. It's you and I. Like, we did not work. But believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. Come on, raise your hand again. You are the ungodly. I'm the ungodly. We did not deserve. Put it down. His faith is counted as righteousness. Let's always stand up this morning.